What is up, internets? Welcome to episode 19 of the Randy King Live debate-based podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to episode 19. Today, we have one hell of a topic for you. So we were discussing pre-show how loaded this topic is. Um, there's going to be some extra rules added today that we don't normally add to the show just because of how um, divisive and how stirring the pot we want to do. But the point of this podcast is to stir the pot. The point of this podcast is to give you information to make better decisions and not just listen to subject matter experts. So we have two people on today that are arguing some interesting sides of the, of the topic. So this might be your first time on the show because, again, the topic is so divisive that if you saw the title, you might have clicked it and you have no idea who I am or my guest is, but you wanted to hear this debate. This is a debate-based podcast, not an argument-based podcast. A lot of the people on the internet do not know the difference. So really quickly, what I want you to understand is that once we tell you what the topic is, myself and my guests are going to be debating just the topic at hand and our side of the topic. We're not going to be talking about our personal beliefs, our ethics, our own opinions. All of that stuff will exist later on the show in what we call final thoughts. And it's on the Patreon, Randy King Live at the $5 level. Potentially, I'm not sure yet, we might be releasing the final thoughts for this episode for free just because of how divisive the episode is. And I don't want uh, myself or Deb to be taken out of context because of what we're doing. So I want you to understand there's a couple rules for the show before we go forward and give you the topic. Rule number one is we start as friends and we leave as friends. I've known Deb for a couple of years now. We don't want to cause any rift or strife. This is why this is a debate. One more time as a reminder, we are arguing our point. I'm pigeonholing Deb into one side of this conversation. I am pigeonholing myself onto the other side of the conversation. Most of the time, if you listen to the show before, the answer is both. And in this case, 100% the answer is also both. But we want to argue the merits of each side. On that note, new rule just for this episode, we are ideally going to just state the positive sides of our debate, of our argument, not the negative side. So I'm not going to attack Deb's position in a negative way because, again, we don't want to be taken out of context. And this is to teach people. This is not to trigger people. So we don't want to piss everybody off too much. We're going to. There's no way we're not. But we're <laughs> going to do the best we can to not piss people off. Um, there's 15 logic fallacies I sent ahead or we went over before the show if I didn't send it like today. Um, each one of these are a basic debate fallacy. There's a couple of extra ones that people have been pointing out that we don't um, subscribe to, i.e. moving the goalpost. But there's 15 logic fallacies or debate-based fallacies that we're not allowed to break on the show. We're not going to go over that right now. If you want to hear what those are, please jump to episode one. I go over each one of the uh, fallacies that we're using in detail if you want to hear it. So if myself or my guest Deb is caught in a fallacy, we need to take a page out of Rory Miller's conflict communication book, whom myself and Deb are both instructors of. We're going to take a deep breath. We're going to generally, genuinely apologize to our uh, the, the debater. So, Deb, I'm sorry I used the sunk cost fallacy. Then we're going to compliment the other person. Deb, your hair looks fantastic today. <laughs> and then we're going to secede our poll. Oh, a little flick. That was awesome. <laughs> we're going to secede our point. Our, we're, we're going to secede our time. And then the other person gets to go. So once I've apologized, complimented, then I shut my word hole and the other person gets to talk. Um, the way the debate is format is, is a 20 minute free form debate. And again, if you want our final thoughts are usually behind a paywall, odds are pretty good. This one won't be, um, Deb, why don't you, Oh, one last thing. Sorry. Listener interaction. So listeners, 
you also have to pay attention. We are going to be debating a very hard topic today. And I know I keep leading up. I'm going to tell you in a second what it is. We're going to be debating a very hard topic. Especially today, we're both going to be trying to be as politically correct as possible. So we're probably not going to be paying as much attention to the logic fallacies as we normally would. If you, the listener, hear a logic fallacy that we did not catch, please shoot me an email or mention in the comments below what that logic fallacy was, what minute it happened at. I will go review the tape. If I agree with the fallacy as you stated it, I will pay for my crime and push-ups. So whatever minute we find the fallacy in, I will do push-ups on video. While I'm doing those push-ups on video, I will promote anything you want me to promote for your business or company or whatever. So pay attention. You could get free advertising out of this just for listening to the show and learning how to debate properly. All right, Deb, I'm done yapping at the camera. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Hey, Internet. Uh, my name is Deb Chris. I just started a new brand called Insight Training. And what we focus on is conflict communication, situational awareness, and a lot of those more preventative skills um, that are also incredibly important just in life in general. Um, and I also am a coach here at um, in Beaverton, Oregon for Invictus Defense Academy, which I know that you have spoken with Chris Green, who's the owner. Yes. So I know him well. And um just spend a lot of time punching and getting punched and trying to talk like a human. So that's, that's my deal. <laughs> Talking like a human is highly overrated. It is. Uh, that's it is. awesome. Deb, we'll get you to plug all your stuff at the end of the show. People make sure you pay attention. If you're on my social media, I've been sharing a ton of videos from Deb and a team of people that were doing a college safety thing that was coming up. It was amazing. There's really, really good videos on there. Uh, I'm the expert, but I learned a bunch of stuff on there. Like it was a, it was a phenomenal video series. So if you get a chance to see that, I would recommend going to insight um, on her Instagram and looking at all the videos, but we'll let you promote more in a second. So, you already know the topic at hand. I don't know why I made so much false suspense. It's going to be in the title. But the topic we're going to cover today is, is it better to teach boys not to rape or teach women self-defense? Is that what we agreed on as a topic, yes. Deb? Yes. So I you heard. Go ahead. Sorry. One question yes. uh, that I forgot to ask earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, we are talking specifically about rape and attempted rape over the broad, the broader term of sexual assault. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I... We, what do you think? I think we can. I think like we could talk rape, rape. Yes. Um, but I think sexual assault is a much more nuanced conversation. Sure. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, we're I'm talking, yeah, well, let's talk, we'll talk straight up the term of rape. That okay. just, because why not stir the potty more? Well, yeah. All right. All right. Why not make it worse? Yeah. yeah. So start brewing your hate <laughs> comments now and flood my Instagram with evil. I appreciate that. Uh, it actually boosts my numbers anyway. So hate <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're helping. Uh, so what, the way it works is, uh, Deb, what side of the debate are you taking? I will be debating that it is um, a more efficient and better way to go to teach women to uh, defend themselves and learn how to reduce their vulnerability. Awesome. And I will be taking the devil's advocate side, as always, of uh, I, in this debate, believe, in this debate, believe, it is better to teach boys not to rape. So, Deb, I'm going to start the clock here. You have up to four minutes for an opening statement, so feel free to just kind of give the listeners where your argument is going. I will do a counterpoint, and we'll move into open debate. Are you ready? I believe I'm ready. Awesome. Go. Okay. So I believe that the most efficient and effective way to reduce a woman's vulnerability to being raped is through training women. Um, we can put all possible external protections in place, but um, ultimately there may be situations where those protections aren't available or effective. 
because isolation is a key component to most rape situations. The nature of the training is incredibly important. So we, we won't do what we're not trained to do. And there needs to be an equal emphasis on psychological training and physical training. Consistent, high-quality training in preventative skills um, and consistent, high-quality training in physical resistance and physical force um, can allow women to manage a situation themselves um, if outside assistance is not available. Um, some studies have shown that these kinds of programs um, are effective and can be effective in reducing the instance of rape and attempted rape, uh, particularly on college campuses. And while I think that there is some ground to be gained, um, particularly on campuses in teaching men not to rape, um, because there are a lot of social factors at play on college campuses. I don't believe that solely focusing on teaching men to not rape will have the same effect as a robust uh, set of programs for women. And ultimately, um, only focusing on teaching men not to rape leaves the power in their hands. Um, it, I believe it is a step backward, and the idea itself uh, has the possibility of stripping women of their own agency. Awesome. All right. So you're good. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was, that was awesome. I already got my first on the ropes there. Uh, counterpoint. So I'm going to argue for the purpose of this debate that we should be teaching men not to, or boys not to rape. Um, I'm going to really quickly preface here that the argument I'm going to be making is going to be based off of a lot of bystander intervention. It's not going to be based off of the fact that there's just sociopaths that are going to do this stuff. There's just no way around that. They're going to do it whether people teach them or not teach them. But the answer that Deb right now is debating is what I believe a micro answer. It's a micro answer for the institution of what is happening. I'm talking here about a macro answer to the situation, a giant social shift in order to make this happen. Now, we cannot stop sociopaths from raping, but if we teach boys what consent looks like, what rape is, what is allowed and not allowed, agency on their body and respecting agency on other bodies, and also the indicators if somebody is a sociopath who will potentially rape somebody, I think the odds of, go I think this increases the odds of rape drastically going down. And I have some studies as well. I have one major one from a, a great group called No Means No Worldwide, where they do a, a program on this to teach boys not to rape. And they have some numbers that drop. We'll talk about them later. But over broad strokes here, you're not going to stop all of it. There's going to be sociopaths that do sociopathic things. But my argument is if we teach boys not to rape, we're not taking agency from women. We're actually doubling the amount of eyes on the problem. So women will take care of their side. And also now men can take care of their side. And honestly, when you look at the numbers of sexual violence and rape, Women are not not in the numbers, but they are not a significant portion of the numbers. So the majority or the lion's share of the problem here is men. And some of it is gray area. Some of the area is that the men don't even know really what rape is. And also, they don't know when to call their friends out on crap. Deb. Uh, well, I mean, it's a debate, but I can't disagree with a lot of what you just right. said. Right? Sure. So, um, you know, they're... they're I'm going to kind of go with what you said about it being a massive cultural shift. It, it absolutely is. And um, a lot of that, again, has to do just with education as to what what is rape from the other side, right? Um, and these are all things that we need to be teaching and we need to be helping people to understand better. Um, 
that is going to take time. It's going to take quite a lot of time because our social norms have been built over hundreds of years. So making that shift is going to take time and we have to allow that shift to completely happen, right? If we sort of rush in and try to make, um, force people to believe something versus helping them to go along and change their value system, we're not going to get anywhere. So allowing that to take some time is important. But while we're working towards the world we want, we have to deal in the world that we have, right? And so having both of these things, if, if, if part of your argument is predicated on, you know, men taking care of their side and helping make sure this doesn't happen so much, it's also predicated on women taking care of their side. And that is ultimately being able to um, manage their safety as best they possibly can while we're working towards that perfect world. Um, and to also just, I realize that you're not sort of arguing the sociopaths that are always going to rape and are unteachable, but they will always exist. And there may not be someone there to help. And so having that education for women is extremely important and that consistent training and understanding what that looks like, what that person looks like versus, um, you know, somebody who just needs you to tell them to stop, um, you know, and how to how to manage those different types of personalities is um, is incredibly important. Right. This, so we're trying not to argue the negatives of the other side of the argument. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to really, really carefully choose my words here. Some things are unavoidable. There's just, unfortunately, it's just the way it is. We can make a good seatbelt. We can make the best bulletproof vest. We can make things happen. Now, there's always this uh, cultural shift because humans get uh, agency on what they're allowed to do. Um, and again, when these people, these sociopaths don't do it, uh, that's important. But I think, I think from, and maybe you, uh, I'm, I'm phrasing this incorrectly, this is not a general, I don't think this is going to take generations to adjust. I think like, and I'm going to use myself personally here. What I allowed my friends to do when I was 19 are, is not the things I allow my friends to do now. I have never been, I'm a self-defense instructor, obviously, but I've never been accused of sexual assault or rape in any way. Uh, it's never really been an issue. I was not scared of the Me Too movement. But I had friends that when that happened, I'm like, oh, that guy's screwed. And I'm saying friends, not people I knew adjacently, because the social, the, the norm around it didn't empower my, me to, to be like, oh, that's bad behavior. And also I had no place to report where that bad behavior would go. So why I'm saying, or why I'm debating for this debate, and like we said, it's, it's both. But in this, in this, for my part of this, so I can get my point across, um, we can't stop sociopaths, but when a lot of the uh, tactics that are taught for uh, counter sexual assault, rape, just counter rape. Let's not let's not sure this. Counter rape. Um, the people, the 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 people that are doing the damage have no zero respect for the, the person they're doing it to, but they may have respect for a member of the same sex, and that member may have the ability or power to stop them. So, yes, isolation is important. But if I had a mechanism to be like, oh, I need to, I need to tell people about this one person that I know, we then don't need to even get to the worst case scenario if we can have that high level prevention. More eyes on this problem is always going to be better. And knowing what's now normal will give a better, will give a more robust defense against hunters seeking prey. Because if I know what a hunter looks like and I know what they're seeking, then more people can prevent that. 
Deb. Um, so once again, impossible to to say you're completely wrong, but um, <laughs> um, you know, I think you know, I'm going to go back to kind of your point that it's not going to take generations. I agree with that. It's not going to take generations, but it is going to take time. Mm-hmm. And and you know, uh, generally people are at their most teachable right around between like fifth and seventh grade. Right. Sure. So, so the, the mass shift in, in mindset will, will take that amount of time. If we start to reach those that are at that age, then that's when we can expect this mass mind shift to happen for, you know, an adult generation. Mm-hmm. And so that is still some time, right? Sure. So that's still, yeah. it's still some time before that kind of comes to fruition. So, you know, in that time period, helping women to understand how they can protect themselves um, Uh will also not only help protect them, but also change the view of, of women in society in its own right. And so, and, and, and have them appear as a less vulnerable target to those Mm -hmm. that um, like you're talking about, like the sociopaths that we care, right? There, there's a perception of a harder target. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. Which is important. Uh I dis I disagree. So and why I disagree is that I am not grade five to seven. I learned and I'm top down trying to fix this problem as well. Now there's people like uh, Terry Crews who's against porn. There's people like The Rock that are advocating this. So I think it's not it's not just it's not going to be this like they're going to learn it here and everybody after that until then is hooped. There's a bottom up, but there's also a top down switch in this where people who are positions of power, people that role models, I guess is lack of a better word, are saying these things, which will then shift culturally what the people are going to do. So it's not just this grade five to seven moving up. It's also people moving this down. So I think it's it's an accordion of this. It's collapsing everything to the middle. Well, yes, I agree with that. But if we look at uh, actually a, sh- a shift from mm-hmm. the majority where where we've got the vast majority of mm-hmm. people are not just um, opposed to rape because the vast majority of people are already opposed. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that is that is already reality, but where the vast majority of people are on the lookout for behavior that mm-hmm. leads to that sort of behavior, that that does take time for and people do have to grow up in an environment where that is just a part of their DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before it becomes the sort of the title shift right. in, into that behavior. Agreed. I think just I'm going to pause for a second just for the listeners to understand, because, again, the answer is going to be the middle. We're 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 debating in a world right now where we have finite resources and we can only allocate them to one of these options. That's just so everybody knows what's going on, because, like, obviously, this wholeheartedly will be good. But we're in the debate. We have X amount of resources to fix this. We either have this or this option. We cannot split the resources. So going forward, I think that, uh, as you said, right, the vast majority of people are against rape and uh, hopefully. And the numbers, stats are hard to work with because the the numbers, if we talk about rape specifically, not sexual assault, the numbers of rape are considerably down. Not sexual assault because the term gets floated around, that's why we're not using it. But rape, the numbers are down. And this was a very passive version of what we're trying to accomplish now, which is a more overt, stronger version. So if the numbers were dropping consistently by themselves with little to no work, I think the social shift will increase exponentially with heavy lifting from the right people, from the right talking. So if we only have X resources to put into it, I think 
it's better to vaccinate than to cure. One ounce of prevention is better than one pound of cure. I think if we can put all our eggs in the basket of prevention and uh, vaccination, as opposed to stuff's already happening, now we're curing, that is the best bang for our buck. I, to an extent, agree, but I sure. disagree too, because that is also the, the, what we view as teaching women to defend themselves mm -hmm. is part of the limiting belief here, right? right so right. it's not going to a two-hour seminar once every five years to, yeah. you know, learn how to kick somebody in the groin, right? That's sure. fun and there's value in that, um, but that's that's not the consistent high-quality training. Right. And, you know, as I stated before, preventative training has to be a part of that as well. Mm -hmm. And we just can't ignore the fact that... Um, for all of these potential efforts and all of the potential good of only teaching men these preventative skills, there are still going to be situations where those people are not around and where right. just the bad people are there. Yep. And they are seeking out someone who doesn't have the skill mm -hmm. to manage a situation. That is what they're looking for. Yes. If we don't give that person some of that skill to see that, to prevent it for, for themselves, to um i want to clarify when i say prevent for themselves it's not it's not well, victim blaming yes the attacker purely yes so yes. that that is not in question here but but if we don't find a way to give them this, the skills to see these people ahead of time potentially or to see what's happening ahead of time those are also preventative skills and those are also something that can prevent this act from happening before it gets there and so giving those to the people who are going to be alone in this situation potentially are extremely important yes uh counterpoint there is no way a potential attacker can know what you know do you understand what I'm saying? So those skills are, again, just curative because the attacker is still going to make the attempt to attack you. And then you or the person needs to prove them wrong through the skill set and training that you have. If we talk about basic predator equations, it's a risk reward equation. You cannot lower the reward low enough to not be selected. Right. People will still test. You could be the most trained person on the planet. You still might be selected and attack and then have to use the skills. Maybe they won't succeed, but the attack will still happen. If we continue the cultural shift of what's happening now, which is if you are caught doing sexual assault, it ruins your movie career, it ruins your whatever. If we raise, if we raise the risk for the predator to lose potentially everything for what they see as a entertainment evening, I think that's the only way to uh, for the debate. The only way to stop this entirely in its tracks. The the men do not respect the women they are attacking. Some men will take them getting physical training as a challenge, and it's now more exciting. Now this is the person I can fight, and I'm going to show them that I know. But if we make the risk so very high that they will lose everything, socially, economically, and all their friends will leave, I think that's the way to move forward if we have X resources. I can't deny that last bit that you said, but I have a counterpoint to your initial. Yay! And that's that... Uh, Preventing the attack does not only come from an attack. Preventing mm -hmm. the attack can be purely understanding your surroundings and understanding, you know, via some of the, I hate, I haven't figured out the term, but soft skills, 500 yeah. rounds using alpha, whatever you want to call it. Sure. Non-physical skills to under, to have a better understanding of what's going on around you mm -hmm. and better um, awareness of what's happening so that you can avoid altogether some of these people. Because most 
most attacks on women, most is a hard word, but um, ultimately what research says is that most attacks on women are done by somebody that they are acquainted with in some yes, way. 70, 70%, I think, yeah. So if they can better understand some of these behaviors and the way grooming works and all of that, then they have tools in their toolbox to see that before, before they get to that situation. Yeah, I agree. But a hungry enough wolf will still bite even if the prey is strong, right? So having those tools doesn't eliminate the fact that some people are still going to be selected and you can't live your life in a basement or a box or a tactical hula hoop, right? Well, yes, but a hungry enough wolf is probably not, I'm going to guess, guessing, yeah. sure, uh, sure, sure. is probably not going to be the most receptive to the education and the oh, respecting uh, the better, you know, higher respect for women and for consent that you're talking about in in prevention with men. I agree, which brings you back to the point then that the men have to see those hungry wolves. We got to force that wolf to be a vegetarian, and we have to put him in a cage and make that happen. But I have to, I have to counter that with yes, mm -hmm. the men have to help be a part of this, and mm -hmm. yes, they there are a lot of personalities out there that are only going to listen to that, yeah. right? But again, that leaves all the agency in the hands of the men. Sure. Well, yeah, and it has to for this debate for me to be. <laughs> so yeah, there's no. Of course, yes. All agencies in men hate me on the internet. This is what I have to debate. There's no, <laughs> there's no, but yes, it does. It and I don't think in the men because yes, it does. It does put a lot of the power back in the men's hands. But the men are the problem, right? We're not crushing it in this story right now. So I think that it's not just the men. It's also the women. And you're talking about training and, and all that stuff. But if if there was a, a place for anyone to report this, and I'm not saying red flag laws don't get mad at me right wing or whatever. What I'm saying is, is if there was a social structure where this could happen, like, so example, uh, I am a big, tough, loud guy in theory, at least on paper, at least how I promote, right? Um, if somebody, women that I know have the agency to come to me and maybe I can do something, maybe I can't, who knows, but no men would come to me about their friend until about three or four years ago. And now that's starting to happen, right? Which again, all I'm saying is I'm not putting all the HG on the men. I just want to double the eyes on the problem. It's very hard to know where to go without going, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is, the, this is what I knew this would be tough. Don't get me wrong. We only have a couple minutes left anyways. Don't okay. worry. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's I go. Let's go to a closing statement, actually, unless you have something. Let's go to a well, closing statement. I, I have I can I can wrap it into the closing statement. That's sure. OK. All right, so there's there's always going to be the personality that is unteachable when it comes to uh, respect of anyone, much yes. less you know respect of someone that they see as less than them. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to combat that, um, and we have to have there has there have to be a set of skills for the people who might be in that situation to be able to manage that situation on their own because you're not always going to have somebody around you to speak for you. And then, you know, additionally, um, raising that risk level by making the, the target a higher risk uh, is also another way to kind of adjust this, you know, this social conditioning that we have that women are weak and they're easy targets. Sure. Uh, I guess so my closing statement is, I think if we only had X amount of resources, we'd have to put it in this pile and we need to teach people that consent is consent. And we made this a very gender biased uh, argument, but uh, men are also sexually assaulted too. So when we're going through this and raped, so when we're going through this scenario, there needs to be uh, a better agency for everyone to have more eyes, ability to detect 
and know what's going on so they can stop these people from happening. Because there's always going to be outliers to our social pattern that is never going to stop as human beings exist. I think we're not going to get much safer than this, but we can definitely increase the ability to report. Also, raise the risk so high, not just the one predator against the one prey because maybe they want a challenge, but a risk, a, a multilateral, multi-platform risk platform where, yes, you might get charged, but also you're going to lose this and also you're going to lose this. You lose your career, your friends, everything. So it's an unacceptable thing. Awesome. Deb, we are out of time on the debate. Woo! Yes. That was that was rough, but that was I think we did okay. We'll see. The internet will tell us if we did. Yeah, it. yeah, we'll know. <laughs> awesome, Deb. Uh, first off, actually, before I let you do your uh, your plug, listeners or watchers or whoever, however you're consuming this content, I would love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode. If you could throw it in the comments below of wherever you're consuming this on Podbean, on uh, you can you can message me on Instagram or Facebook if you're watch you're listening to it online um, with no comments, or if you saw it on YouTube, throw a comment in. What is your biggest takeaway from this episode? I'd love to hear your feedback. Deb, please tell people where they can get a hold of you. You can find me on Instagram at insight.training. Mm -hmm. And uh, website is insight trainings with an S. Okay. Dot com. And uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. And Facebook insight with a uh, slash between in insight training. <laughs> awesome. Deb, what kind of course? And you said you offer courses mostly for insights on like, where, again, soft skills, soft skills, soft skills yes. uh, stuff, so, which is the awareness prevention stuff that you were mentioning earlier. Yes. yes? Body language, de escalation, all those kinds of things. And then we also offer uh, conflict and feedback for teams and organizations. So awesome. Yes. All right, everyone. This is the end of the free podcast. Deb and I are going to, we're going to hug and make up uh, on the final thought. So if you are not part of the show uh, or you're, it's your first time coming here, jump onto my Patreon, Randy King Live, slash, or sorry, patreon.com slash Randy King Live. The $5 level, $5 is where all the final thoughts for every episode exists. It is honestly, the final thoughts is another podcast pretty much. And it's, there's a lot of value in them. So if you want to hear more on this and you're not sick of this topic, Feel free to jump on there. If not, please share, like, subscribe, do all the things. And comments, love it, hate it. Any comment is welcome on any one of my feeds. I encourage conversation. Deb, thank you so much for your time. That was such a fun topic. Thank you for suggesting it. Um, we definitely, when we announced this online, a lot of the instructors in the community all were like, why? I'm like, we need, we need to talk about this stuff. That's why. That's the problem. <laughs> we need to talk about it and actually converse about it. Not Exactly yell at each other about it agree 100 yeah. all right everybody thank you so much for listening and we're gonna jump over to final thoughts